0: Welcome back to the Axiom Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. This lesson is being taught by the Jared Turner. It's entitled Judgment. We hope you enjoy. Here's, here's what we're talking about tonight. Luke chapter 6, Luke chapter 6, verse 37. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Now, a lot of times that verse is taken out of context. And in our modern day culture, where they're, are no absolutes, where at least a lot of times people are trying to pull us away from things that are absolutely right and wrong. We just say that you can choose what kind of lifestyle that you live. And that you can make any kind of life decision that you want to make and that nobody has the right to judge you. Now, is that? do you think that that is what this Bible verse is saying? Do you, do you think that? Does anybody think, If you do, that's okay. Does anybody think that? I'm just asking a question. If this Bible verse, if this Bible verse, judge not that ye be not judged, if it is talking, how many think that that verse, judge not, means that there's nothing in life that can ever be looked at, no behaviors that can ever be looked at and be pointed to and say, this is wrong and this is right. How many think that that's what that means when it says judge not, that there's no way for a human being to tell whether or not another human being's behavior is right or wrong? Do you, do you think that's what God meant? Never to say another human's behavior is right or wrong? Okay, so some people might say yes. Okay, but then we we, we go down. If that's what that's talking about, then we go down to verse 43, and it says, for a good tree bringeth forth not uh a corrupt fruit neither doth a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit for every tree listen every tree this is verse 44 for every tree is known by his own fruit so we're going to tonight we're going to walk through how to get verse 37 and verse 44 of Luke chapter 6 to agree because Jesus says judge not lest ye be judged. And then he says, you will know a tree, meaning a person. It's very clear what he means. By the fruit or their actions that they produce. So you will be able to look at somebody's actions and tell what is in their heart pretty reasonably. You can look at what people do and how people act, and you can see that corrupt things come from a corrupt person. And non-corrupt things come from non-corrupt people. So these two verses, they're spoken by the same man within just a few minutes. One thing out of his mouth is he's saying, don't judge. But then the next thing he's saying, you need to look at people's fruit. You need to look at the actions. And you can tell whether or not there are good things in their heart or whether or not there are bad things in their heart. Because there are not bad actions coming from good people that have good things in their heart, but bad actions are produced by a root system that are bad. If you see apples, you know what kind of tree it is. It's an apple tree. If you see lemons, you know what kind of plant or what kind of tree produces that because of the type of fruit. So what, so we, we've got to, Kind of put these two together and and understand that what our modern day culture tells us that you can choose whatever path in your life you want is in fact false and that's not what jesus was talking about when he said judge not It was not that all actions are now legal and that nobody can ever tell you what to do and that nobody can ever tell you right from wrong. Just try quoting this to your mom. It's not going to work out. The next time she says, clean your room, and you say, mom, don't judge me. Just see if that pans out for you. It's not going to pan out for you, right? You can say, well, Jesus said it and she said you're getting that verse out of context because I am your mama and I know I have the right to tell you what to do right and she just knows that in her heart because moms just have some innate wisdom but she's right because Jesus was not listen to me gentlemen Jesus was not saying that you do not you have the right never ever ever to be judged by another human being that is not true but if you read on what Jesus is saying is that the judgment that you mete out Meaning if you look at somebody and you say that is bad behavior and you need to change that, that if you are guilty of the same thing, then you will be held accountable for being a what they call a hypocrite. You you will be guilty of what they call being a hypocrite because the judgment that you meet out, you have to be willing to take. But if If you are willing to submit yourself to that kind of standard, then judging is not a sin. It's not a sin to be a judge, like a federal judge. But if you convict somebody for corruption and then you are a corrupt judge, you've got to understand that that system is going to come back on you and you're going to go to jail. Just because you're the judge doesn't mean you're above the law. You still have to follow that. So this is what this is talking about. It's not that you you can't ever be corrected. It's that you don't. Jesus is saying it doesn't work to be corrected by a corrupt source. It doesn't work to be corrected from a thief that says don't steal right. If a preacher gets up and says, do not steal or a police officer looks at you and says, do not steal, then they better not be stealing because whatever judgment they meet out, it's going to be returned to them. But it does not mean that you never, ever have the opportunity for somebody to look at you and tell you you've done wrong things, because in fact, that is a blessing of life. When somebody looks at the fruit of your life and sees that there's a problem and addresses it in your heart, that is a good day. That is not a bad day. That's not a day to be offended. That's not a day to get upset and get up in arms. That is a day to be thankful because a person, let me, tell you something, just from being a leader, it's easier to let things go. Right now, I, I'm a boss now. I'm, I'm new being a boss. I have about 10 people that work under me. And let me tell you, it is easier Every day, it's easier for me to do my job if I never tell anybody what to do and I never call anybody out on their mistake. But guess what? Eventually, the big boss is going to find out that this person's been goofing off and I haven't got on to them. And guess what? They're going to be fired and I might be fired too, but I will definitely be in trouble and they will lose their job. So it's better if I catch it because I'm a little boss, right, to say, hey, you need to shape up. It's a hard email to send. It's a hard phone conversation to have. But if you keep committing this thing that you're doing, guess what? The boss could find out. The state could find out. You could go to jail because we deal with things that states money and the state gets very picky about their money and they could go to jail. So I have to have that hard conversation. It doesn't make my job any easier, but I've got to do it. Now they could say, well, don't judge me. I'm saying, but you, there were rules and everyone else is following the rules and you are not. So then you are opening yourself up to judgment. So it's not a bad thing to be judged. And an attitude that says nobody can judge me is an attitude of a person that has something in their heart that God cannot work with. Because guess what repentance is? What is repentance? What is repentance? For, well, it's, it's before forgiveness. What, what, what is repentance? Asking for forgiveness, saying you're sorry. But what happens before you ask to say, what happens before you say sorry? You, yeah, but what happens between after you do it and before you say sorry? The, well, even sometimes you still have to consequence after you repent, but even before that, yeah, you got to do it, and then the consequences come because why? Because you've been judged. And because you were found guilty. If you were never found guilty, there would be no reason to repent. Right? So, so ju- if you're not judged, you will never repent. And if you never repent, you will be judged later. Because everything comes back to judgment. Because this world will end in judgment. Death is a very cruel judge. And the Bible says that it's appointed unto man once to die, and after death the judgment. You will be judged by the content of your life. Or as this verse says, by the fruit that you bear. By the the actions that you take, you will be judged by that. So this judgment will come into your life. So a person that pushes off judgment and says, do not judge me. Now you have the right to do that because God created you as a human being with, with an ability to make your own decisions. And so God allows you to be your own judge for a time. And you can say, do not judge me. And once you become 18 years old age, of age, you can make those kind of decisions If you don't live in your, if you live in your own house and pay your own bills. You can really kind of make all your decisions if you don't violate the law, I guess. But eventually, there's going to come a time when you run into an authority. If you keep pushing off judgment, there's going to come a time when judgment will find you. Because judgment on earth, judgment from people, I'm not talking about from corrupt people. I'm talking about judgment. You've got to to perceive when somebody corrects you and somebody looks at you and says, hey, you've got to fix this. You've got to consider the source, right? This is what this is talking about. You've got to look. What is the fruit of that person's life? Right? So if it's your mom looking at you, you can say, "What's the fruit of her life?" Well, she gave life to me. She provides clothing and housing and her, you know, and my dad, they do this, and they do this for me, and they would they sacrifice for me, and they do all this. So should I take advice from somebody that has given me so much? Probably, yes. you look at their fruit and you don't say, all judgment is wrong. You look at it and you say, "Is this judgment worth listening to? Because the more you push off judgment, The more you push it down the road, you're really never, ever coming to a place where it's solved. You're never really ever coming to a place where you get healed. You're never really coming to a place where it's fixed until you allow somebody to judge you. Until you stand there and say, what are my faults? I want to get them fixed and God, Jesus has given us, right, the way to take care of these faults. Before he lived, there was no way to permanently take care of the faults. You just had to offer a sacrifice, and it pushed your sins back a year, and then you offered a sacrifice, and it pushed it back another year, and you kept having this thing of pushing back because judgment was coming, and it had to be delayed until Jesus came to offer the ultimate sacrifice. That's what Christian doctrine is all about, but it's more, than just a doctrine. It has real meaning for your life. It means that now that we live in a time that Jesus has come and Jesus has lived that you've got to deal and you get to deal with the judgment in your life right now so that you don't have to deal with it on judgment day. Because if you are justified here on earth, you understand that the Bible says that we will rule and we will reign with God. So that means on judgment day, you are not some person that's down in the, in the, on the stand having to testify about why your life is so pitiful. But you are somebody that's sitting on the throne with God. Why? Because you have His name on you in baptism. And you have His record. Why? How do you get that? Because you were willing to submit to judgment right now. And you were able to say, God, I'm allowing you to judge me. I'm allowing you to show me every place that I've messed up. Every time that I've been faulty. Every time that I've had a bad attitude. Every time that I have sinned. Every time that I've done something wrong. Every time that I've been bad. Every time that I have... Blessed Every time that I have looked at things I shouldn't look at, every time I have said things I shouldn't have said, every time I mistreated that person or bullied that person or put somebody else down to make myself rise up, I am sorry for that, and I invite your judgment into my life. And when you do that, then God can heal. But if you push it back and say, nobody can judge me, you mean that, and not even God can judge you. And he will say, okay, I'm not going to. Because the Bible says that whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. The chastening means a good old-fashioned word for spanking. Means he judges you. Means he issues judgment in your life. And he causes there to be a change, something, and that's who God cares about. But if you don't care about God and you don't care about living for Him, then He's going to pull back and He's going to say, well, you don't care about me. I'm going to allow you to do whatever you want to do. I'm going to allow you to say that nobody can judge you and I'm going to allow you to believe it. And the Bible talks about their heart being darkened. Their heart being darkened so that they could not see. There's this Jesus' disciples. You've read it. If you've been reading in Luke, Jesus' disciples, they ask him, why do you take, teach us in parables? And he said, because it's given to you to know the kingdom of God, but it's not given to them. And so they're going to hear and not hear. They're going to see and not see. So there are some people that by their actions, listen to me. There are some people that by their actions will be excluded from hearing the message that God has for them. Why? Because they have shut him out. Because they have not wanted the message of judgment in their life. Because they have misinterpreted the idea of judge not. And they said, nobody can judge me, not even God. And so God will not judge you. He will not open up the mysteries of what it means to live for him, to live a life of righteousness, a life of holiness. He will allow you to live in the place that you are. He will allow you to find your own happiness, to seek your own aims, to do whatever you want to do. You could be anything you want to be, but at the end of your life, you will have to face judgment you will have to face judgment. We know this inherently in our heart because you can look at the great evil men of history that have killed millions of people and you can know that there has to be some sort of final judgment. You can know that Adolf Hitler has to stand before God in judgment because that kind of crime cannot go unpunished. But what we fail oftentimes as just ordinary common people who have committed sins but maybe not sins quite on the level of millions of people killed but we have committed sins then we understand uh, that there has to be judgment but we just don't want it to fall on us but why when you this is what I want you to understand that the one thing about God that is more attributed to him than anything else the one attribute of God brother Kilman teaches this that's more than anything else is God's holiness what does that mean it means that he is perfect it means that compared to God's holiness there is nobody that is righteous compared to that. So that means that a sin as gross and as heinous as murder and a sin of a lying, which we most of us have done in our life. Probably I would venture and say all of us at some point of our life have lied. But those two sins compared to God's holiness are so inconsequential in their difference that they're basically the same. Understand how that principle works, that when you compare things that you can compare two things and they may look a lot alike. But by the time you get to such a great extent, those two things that were compared were compared, although they may have been so different. That the the astronomical amount of the other makes the comparison insignificant. Let me give you let me give you a, a problem from statistics. Let me let me talk a little math to you. From statistics don't turn your brain off, don't you I'm, I'm gonna illustrate my point. okay now if, if, if you listen to me if if you play the lottery, I'm talking about for the big the big bucks the millions of dollars. So let's say there's 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 hundreds of millions of options on the on the number right that you had you, you pick on. no don't turn your brain off now you you, you pick you pick, Uh, You know, like what is it like five numbers and they're two digit numbers so you can go the Powerball. So you play in the Powerball. Do you understand that the the odds of winning are so small that if you buy one ticket or if you buy a hundred tickets, you have not increased your odds at all? At all. You have not. It doesn't matter. You are wasting your money. You might as well buy, you, know, you you can talk to statisticians, because in the millions and millions and millions of options, you can buy one or you can buy a hundred, but those 99 aren't going to increase your chances at all. Now, to someone that's untrained in the art of math, you can look and say that one versus a hundred, obviously the person that bought a hundred has a way better chance. But it's not true, because when you really look it out, one and a hundred compared to billions of options or whatever the number is, they're so far away from each other that though they may look so different over here, when you get it up against the true numbers, they're no different at all. And that's kind of how sin and judgment works, is that horrible sins like Adolf Hitler, they look so much terrible compared to my own life and the bad attitudes that I've had and the, the bad things that I've said and the bad things that I've done, the way I've mistreated people and the lies that I've told, right? It may be so off, right? It may look like there's no way I'm over there, but when you compare those two people to the holiness of God and the righteousness of God which is so far above it. The prophet Jeremiah said that his, my righteousness is as filthy rags compared to yours. And this was a prophet. This was not just some average Joe on the street. Right? This was a prophet of God and he said my, my righteousness. I may look righteous to you. Right? That You may look at me as a preacher and look at somebody on the street and say well this drug dealer and this preacher are. They're so Far apart. They are so different. They are so separate. But when you compare them to the holiness of God. That they on judgment day will stand the same judgment of guilty. Of guilty. You understand what I'm saying? The same judgment of guilty. There will be no differentiation. There will be no extenuating circumstances on judgment day there will be no looking at the why you did it and what was going on and what kind of forces were happening on your life there will just be you are guilty because compared to God you are guilty you understand that what I'm saying I'm trying to illustrate that point correctly to you Because it's not just the really, really bad people that are going to stand before God in judgment. There are going to be decent, good people by our standards that are going to stand before God in judgment and their righteousness and their good deeds and their goodness and their money and their wealth and their whatever you want to praise about them is going to be as filthy rags compared to the holiness and righteousness of God. So my challenge to you And where I think we are as a youth group, my challenge to you is you cannot push off judgment for very long. You've got to embrace it, right? You've got to embrace it in your life. Anybody that's going to achieve great things, they embrace criticism. They are thankful when people say, hey, you can get better in this area. They would be fools not to. They would be they would be fools. Listen to me. If you're really trying to compete at the highest level of whatever of whatever sport or whatever activity that you're involved in, you would be foolish to not take correction from somebody that can look on the outside and say, hey, you need to do this better. Because why you really have an interest in what you are doing. So if you have an interest for if you don't have an interest in living for God, you know what? That's fine. That's your choice, right? God can't even judge you, but he will judge you one day. Just hear that warning from this preacher. But I don't think I'm talking to young people that have no interest in living for God because you're here. I think I'm talking to young people that do have an interest in living for God. And so if you want to be good at living for God, you've got to take correction. You've got to allow people to look in your life because it's evident what kind of fruit is in your life. Let me tell you, you're not really hiding. If you read chapter 8 of Luke, Jesus said that there's nothing hidden that will not be made known. So really, your secrets really aren't that secret. The details of them may be secret to me, but really even the big things are not all that secret to me just because I, I know you pretty good. And I know when you're living for God, and I know when you're not living for God. I know when you're doing right, and I know when you're not doing right. Not because I'm all-knowing, just because you're fruit. Because the way you talk, the way you act, the things you like on Instagram, I see all this stuff, right? I'm not a fool. I'm not stupid, right? I, I, I'm not all-knowing, but I can tell by the fruit. I can tell by how you worship in church, on how your prayer life is. Right? Because guess what? I'm not talking about faking it. You know, plenty of people can fake it. But I can tell fake worship too. I've been a Pentecostal for years. I know what fake worship looks like. And I know what sincere worship looks like. And when people are sincerely worshiping, guess what? They, they They love God. They have a connection to God. Are they perfect? No. But that's good fruit. Now when people don't worship, does that mean they're terrible and they're zeros? No. It just means something's going on deeper in their heart. You know what I mean? It just means there's something else going on. It means prayer life is lagging. It means there's peer pressure going on. It means they're doing something they probably ought not to do. And it's hard to lift your hands in the presence of God when there's stuff on your phone that you don't want anybody to know about. Why? Because what does God want? right? What does the Bible say that's pleasing unto God, a humble and contrite spirit? That means yielded to God's judgment. It means saying, God, here I am, whatever you want to do in my life. You know, it's hard to do that if you really don't mean it. You understand what I'm saying? So fruit is evident. So you can say, oh, don't judge me. Well, you know, okay. But let me tell you, I wouldn't be doing my job if I just allowed you to push judgment and push judgment and push judgment. Because one day you will be judge. judged. You will be. So here's what I want you to do. We got, we got about seven minutes. I want you to close your eyes. On everybody, nobody... Nobody talking, nobody goofing off. I just want you to close your eyes and I want you to think about the, the product that you are producing in your life right now. Now, I want to give you some criteria for that. Who do you love? And if and listen to me, if the only people that you love are people that love you, Jesus said, you can read it for yourself Jesus said that even sinners love people that love them, so they don't count. Who do you love that has no ability to give you anything? Who at school are you reaching out to that has no ability to do anything for you? Or or help you in any way? Who are you trying to pull up? If you don't have somebody, then then your fruit is not... Is not making it your tree, your heart is not producing any fruit after God's heart. Who are you giving to? The Bible says that if you give to people that give back to you, that even the world does that and that's not considered giving. Who are you giving your time to? What are you what are you pouring into? Who are you pouring into? What what are what are lives that you can say that I have touched? And if there's nobody. If you're just got a small circle of friends and sometimes you even talk about them to each other. Let me just let me just tell you that's a corrupt heart. What what are you doing with your time? That's a precious commodity that God has given you. What do you what kind of things are you producing with your time? What kind of thoughts are, are your entertainment producing in your mind? Is it good thoughts? Thoughts about the kingdom of God? Or is it wicked thoughts? Because let me tell you, what kind of fruit pops up? What kind of things are produced? That tells you a lot. I'm not, I'm not issuing any judgment. I'm just asking you to judge yourself before judgment day and say, is there anything I need to repent of? What, where's the fruit of my life? What am I offering? What am I offering? What am I offering to God? Because, you know, that's a beautiful thing is God gives us a lot. But you know what? We can offer things to God. Paul said, present your bodies a living sacrifice unto God, which is your reasonable service. So let me ask you, what are you offering to God? Are you spending any time with him in prayer? Are you honoring his word? Are you worshiping when you come to church? What are you giving to God? And if, if you're coming up with zeros on that scale right now, Friend, you need to reexamine your status as a Christian. If you're coming up with zeros. You're not living a Christian life because guess what? A Christian life produces fruit and the Bible says you will know them by their fruit. How will your friends know that you're a serious Christian? By what you say, the fruit of your life, by who you reach out to, how you treat others. Right? if, if you're if you are bullying people or gossiping or talking bad about people. You are not a Christian. You can say you go to church, but you are, the fruit is what matters. Words are cheap. If you're looking at things on the internet that you should not look at, you are not a Christian. You are not a Christian. You can go to church, but you are not a Christian. Why? Because a Christian life will produce fruit. I'm sorry, you are not a Christian. And that's something that will be judged on the last day. So you better allow God to judge it now and fix it now because there's power to fix anything. That's what I want to leave you with. So that's what I want to leave you with. I want to leave you with this score, whatever you came up with in your head. About those things based on that rubric that I gave you. If your score is zero and you, you, you're seeing so little fruit, I want to tell you that there's, there's power tonight to transform you into the person that you want to be. Because I'm talking to young people that I believe genuinely want to live for God. Because if you don't, then you're wasting your time here. But if you want to live for God, I'm here to tell you that your life needs to start producing fruit. And you need to take an honest look and say, God, work in my life.